Hi, I'm Dan Krinas, host of the Leader of Learning podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Instant Relevance Podcast. The Instant Relevance Podcast is an educational podcast featuring the latest news and resources to make learning relevant for all students. Follow us on Twitter at InstantRel. Welcome to this episode of the Instant Relevance Podcast. I am incredibly excited to welcome to the podcast, Vicki Davis, who is first and foremost, a classroom teacher, uh, loves the classroom, loves kids. And because of that has also formed uh, the 10-Minute Teacher Podcast, which I've had the privilege of being a guest on, but at the same time had more of a privilege of learning from, uh, and is also the author of the Cool Cat Teacher Blog. And uh, Vicki is doing amazing things for education and sharing her perspectives and the perspectives of leaders and teachers all over the country uh, with so many of us. So I am excited to, to bring our open question to Vicki. So Vicki, welcome to the Instant Relevance podcast. And what is it uh, in education now or in your day-to-day that is just driving your passion for teaching, for education? What's uh, relevant and powerful in your education life right now? Well, this has been a very different year, and it may sound like a downer of an answer, but it's really not a downer of an answer. So I had a precious young student um, who passed away about a month and a half ago. Um, And he's just an amazing student, wanted to be at school, loved being at school. Um, I loved him and, and it was a great relationship, just a remarkable young man. But one thing that I started living differently and thinking differently is that kids don't wait till they're 24 or 30 or 40 to live their life or they shouldn't that every day is important. And I started realizing, you know, when I knew what was going to be happening, how can I make this day remarkable? Because this day is, will never come again. And it's worth celebrating. It's worth making a memorable day. It's worth being an exciting day. So I'm continually asking myself these days, you know, how can today be a remarkable day? And also having those conversations with kids that make a difference. Um, you know, the last day he was in my classroom, um, I looked at him and he was having a hard time. And you know, I said, you know, have you laughed today? Because he always loved to laugh. He says, I have not laughed one time today. And I said, you know what? We're going to laugh today. Um, and he loved silly cat videos. And truthfully, you know, I have never been the kind of teacher who would just look up a silly cat video. But I am so grateful that that day, the last day I had him about three or four weeks before he died, um, that he and I took five minutes to look up silly cat videos before he started keyboarding. And I just realized, you know, the importance that every moment has that there's we we have to be sensitive to who our kids are, where they are in their time. And I'm just so grateful that um, I was given that gift to look in his eyes and to notice him and to realize that had been a hard day so that I could live life with no regrets. And I, you know, and I looked at him and I said goodbye and I said everything I needed to say. And there's just so many opportunities we miss by not looking kids in the eye, not realizing where they are. Because I'll tell you, if you're there for them when they have those hard days, they'll be there for you all the other days of the year. 
um, I just can't stress how important it is to relate before you educate. That's something I say all the time on my podcast and Dennis, you know that, but um, I just live life differently. Yeah. I always tell kids, I want you to thank me when you're 23. They're not, I'm not here to be popular. We're going to do some difficult things. I don't really give homework. I don't really give tests, but we're going to work really, really hard. But you know what? I also want them to thank me today. There's times where I just want them to look at me and go, you know what? You're, this is a great moment and I'm glad to be here and I'm glad you're my teacher. And those moments are, are important too. That's really powerful. Um, I'm really sorry for your loss. Uh, fortunately, that's not something I've had to uh, encounter as a teacher yet, but um, it is something that unfortunately is somewhat common in schools and it is uh, a good reminder to um, make sure that like you said, relate before you educate. That's uh, really great. And uh, how do you make this day remarkable? I mean, that's that's amazing. That should be a title of a book. It's, it's just great. And uh, one thing that I love about the work that you do in your blog is that it does touch all the edges of being a teacher. You know, one day being a teacher, you could encounter a loss. Uh, the next day being a teacher, you know, you're uh, doing... Uh, technical side of the job and, you know, um, ed tech and, uh, you know, trying to use computers, uh, the best way for your students. And it's incredibly varied. And, um, one thing that really stands out about your blog when you first go there is just how much content there is and how much there is to learn about the teaching profession from your site. How do you stay relevant for the teachers and how do you make sure that, all of the PD that you provide is relevant for teachers? Well, um, before I go into that question, you talk about variety. I mean, Friday, um, I was in the Pecan Grove behind our school uh, shooting, doing a film shoot with kids with, with, with one of them in a full turkey suit. <laughs> so, you know, it, it is awesome to have those joyful moments too. And, um, you know, I think that I don't think about being relevant. I think that um, when I realized that people were reading my stuff, um, you know, because I started blogging in 2005. And at some point in there, I realized, okay, you know, I'm not going to be one of those pontificators who can talk for 10 hours and just, you know, people will just want to come into my presence so that they learn all this stuff, right? And I do hope that I'm motivational, encouraging. And when I give my speeches and travel, I, yeah, I want to be that at be encouraging. But, um, I, you know, it's like, there are all these amazing teachers out there, kind of like you guys are doing interviewing people, um, is, um, I, you know, I, if I was given a spotlight, I was going to get out a mirror and shine it on some other educators. So I think that for me, part of my role is interviewing people and finding amazing educators. And, you know, for example, my librarian says, hey, I want to redo the library. So I went and found one of my favorite people, Carolyn Foote, who is really good, amazing librarian in the classroom, you know, working in a library. And she had all these great ideas for how do you reimagine a library? And she had just done it, you know. So for me, my heart is is not necessarily in somebody's office or back room who hasn't been in a classroom for 20 years. Um, even the people that I know that, that, that do have offices, like my friend, Angela Myers, she's always in the classroom teaching somebody everywhere she goes, she's trying to get in there with students because she loves them and she wants to be there. So I think that being relevant for me is I love kids. 
I want to do whatever it takes um, to reach them. And I got a review uh, sometime back on my podcast and it was a Spanish teacher thanking me. And he says, I'm writing on behalf of my students to thank you for helping me become a better teacher because my kids are excited to come to my class now. And I never knew it could be that way. And when I help teachers realize the potential they have to change a child's life, to change a child's moment, to change everything for a kid, um, when they realize the power they have to be a difference maker, you know, we spend so much time. Um, yeah, it's important people to treat us with respect and we want to be treated with respect. But I'll tell you, now I'm entering my 18th year, you know, I've had probably half of my career where I was maybe wasn't in a circumstance where principals treated me with respect, colleagues treated me with respect. But you know what? When I closed that door, I had a remarkable classroom anyway. I don't use the front office or the hallway as an excuse to not be there for my kids. Whatever happens in my classroom is my responsibility. And if it's not remarkable, then that is my issue because there's no reason you're going to have great years and you're going to have years that you do not even want to go to the lunchroom. But whatever the case is, your kids have got to want to come to your classroom all the time, no matter what. And no, you're not going to be every kid's favorite, but you can give those remarkable experiences to kids and you can love them and be the difference maker. Um, that's what it's about. It's funny because you just touched on, again, another major message in, uh, that Dave Burgess loves to share, which is, like, would your kids come to your classroom if they didn't have to? <laughs> and, and mine like, do. <laughs> right, right. All the time. And, <laughs> and that's the key. That's how you know you're creating experiences. And as, a, as an administrator for a while, I had to change the title of the folder online in Google where they were submitting their lesson plans from lesson plans to student experiences because I wanted them to plan from a mindset of, what are my kids going to be coming here and doing today? Not what am I going to be planning to deliver to them? And uh, it just changes a slight nature of uh, what it is that we do as we plan forward. And it makes me want to jump back a little bit to uh, how you began your last set of comments, which was uh, that day to day, you're not trying to be relevant. And that's what's really important is that relevance comes from what's connected, what's natural, what's already passionate. Even to teachers I'm helping with PD, I walk in and I see them having a need and immediate what I give them and what I share with them and what we work out together is relevant to them because it connects right away. And it's, it's what they need now. I don't have to go out of my way to try to be relevant, which is a major message that I've tried to tell people who have asked me, like, well, how did you come up with all these ideas? I'm like, well, I didn't do them all at once. If you read the book, there's like a timeline in here. <laughs> you know, it's not like I'm trying to tell everybody that you got to get out there and grab onto the nearest fad or the thing in the news or the thing that TV, kids are watching on TV right now every single day. It's that we do have these moments and these moments are available, which brings me to a post on my blog that turned into one of the pieces uh, in Instant Relevance, which was that uh, my wife and I are uh, Pink Floyd fans, and she's more of a Pink Floyd fan than I am. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's an album coming out, and iTunes was releasing the songs one at a time. And one of the song's names was Today. And we got an email that said, Today is now available. And mm -hmm. it made me think... Like, really, I've been in some mindfulness training in my school at the same time. And I'm like, wow, do we forget to think that today is now available when we wake up each day? Uh, that, what, that 
today is the only literal day that we now have left. And uh, I have been through what you've been through with the loss of a student. And unfortunately, several times over, um, athletes that I've coached, students that have been in my classroom, uh, students that have moved on from my classroom. And, and uh, it's been a very difficult time to go through that. And, it, and, it's, and it's very hard. But the approach that you're taking, which is like the time we have now, how do we use that? Am I going to use my classroom time as a chance to overpower my students with math talk because I feel it's value, valuable? Or am I going to do what you said and make relationships matter first because all of our good learning comes from relationships? And that's the change that we need to follow. I mean, um, we're really gaining our students' uh, trust and gaining the ability to help our students learn when we show them who we are, when we make those connections with us. So since that's the nature of your classroom and the nature of who you are and the nature of who you are online with me and other people too, like what do you do when others around you um, kind of give you pushback or flack for that? I mean, you do close the door into your classroom and create a beautiful experience. What have you done that you've seen success with uh, to help change some mindsets uh, in a positive way? Well, the philosophy at the school, so I'm at a new school. I've been here since my second year. I love it. Um, and I teach them to innovate like a turtle, which is small steps forward every day. I have an amazing visionary leader that I work for. Um, you know, when I was at my previous school, there were times that, you know, the innovate like a turtle worked. Um, but then there was a time where I had to say, you know what, um, this is not the right place for me anymore. Um, it's, you know, there, there is a time where you have to protect yourself. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Um, because I've always loved everywhere. I've, I've always loved every day. I've always loved every place I've been. Um, but there are places that fit us better than others. You know, it's like trying to size nine and seven, you know, there are just some places you bust out of that they just don't fit anymore or they fit for a season so you know i think all of us you know need to find a place you know if we can that the philosophy of the school um fits with us there's a great book called multipliers um and it's about the they, they've done research on on you know leaders people that that um when you work for that person you actually become more than you ever would be alone uh, there are these leaders that when you work for them, you are more than you ever could have been because somehow the synergy between you and them and you and your colleagues is so much that they multiply you. So I'm, I'm in a situation now with, with multipliers, but then there's also diminishers. Um, and you can get diminished to the point where you wonder, you know, truthfully, if I hadn't left and, and come to a new school, I was going to leave teaching. Um, that is the truth. I had decided that uh, two years ago I was done and I was going to get out and, and not teach anymore. Um, but, you know, fortunately, I found a place that fit um, in a place that a multiplier. So, you know, we're all at different stages and different seasons of our life. Um, you know, usually you just have to push through and encourage. Um, and, you know, I hate toxic waste. Um, if there's people that are toxic, that are continually, um, you know, gossiping, continually criticizing everything, you know, that's human toxic waste. That's the toxic waste of words and it just wastes energy. And there are people um, that you have to get away from uh, just for self-preservation. Um, you know, I've got a book I've been working on for some time about this particular topic. 
Um, it's just a sensitive and it's a hard one and everybody's circumstances are different for me. I have a prayer and quiet time every single morning. I have my prayer and thinking chair, get up about 5am. I sit in that chair, um, have a routine I go through that helps me get focused on my day. I think about my students and kind of, I even come up with my plan kind of at, at five in the morning of how am I going to open this particular class? And Every so often I'll change things up a little bit because I realize, you know what, that class was kind of picky, picking at each other yesterday. I think I need to talk to them about how to treat each other with respect um, or whatever it is. So, um, you know, I don't know if that that helps you or not, because there's really not e any easy answers. I think that, um, you know, there are a lot of folks that are overly verbose on social media and take no time to self-reflect at all. And I think a lot of that is the root of our problem that, that people don't realize maybe that they're having that negative impact on others because they're so busy just vomiting out all of these things. You know, let me take a picture of my breakfast and let me uh, share, you know, what I'm going to do this weekend. And they never turn off the TV. They never, you know, we need to binge uh, self-reflect a little bit and not just binge watch the next show. You know, sometimes I see folks asking on social media, what's the next thing I need to binge watch? And I just, you know, I don't want to be judgy because I have so many faults of my own, but every so often, if it's one of those people that just overshares, I think, you know, why don't you go be by yourself or go talk to your significant other and get advice for if you're happy with how you're doing things in life. Um, you know, an examined life is a life that is meaningful. And for me, honestly, right now I've deleted Facebook and Instagram and Twitter off of my mobile phone. Um, and I'm just trying to use them um, when I'm on my computer, which Instagram you can't, but that's okay. Um, because I have to reflect on who I am and how I want to treat people because trust me, I've been toxic waste before too. I've been the main one. I've been the nasty one. I am definitely not a perfect colleague, but, um, I, I hope now that, that I'm really looking at my life that I do sit back and go, you know what? I didn't treat so-and-so right. A couple of weeks ago, I had somebody that I realized that I needed to apologize to. And I went to them and we had a great conversation and we made peace and, uh, and it needed to happen all because I sat still and realized, you know what, I didn't do something the right way. And I think that great relationships with colleagues are two way streets. It's rare that they're just doing stuff to you. It's usually you've made mistakes too. I really like how you brought up the book multipliers. Um, I believe it's by Liz Wiseman. Uh, oh, yeah. if anybody out there, uh, hasn't picked up that book, it's definitely a great read. Uh, I really like the work that uh, she does with really identifying kind of the opposite, those people who suppress uh, others um, uh, rather than, you know, giving them the opportunity to uh, multiply their work and, uh, and to encourage others to uh, work uh, to their best ability as well. And I really like how when I was reading that and when I was introduced to it, um, the exact same thing that you were talking about happened. I, I realized that I was not being a, a multiplier and um, that it's easy to become toxic. It's easy to, you know, get on that bandwagon. Um, but as you uh, mentioned, you know, we really need uh, to constantly remind ourselves that wellness and mindf mindfulness is a really part, important part of this uh, profession. And I've been in the same boat as you with taking a break from social media. I mean, you know, all of us who are playing this uh, Twitter game and getting our names out there and we have podcasts and everything, it's it's kind of, uh, you know, 
necessity sometimes that we be engaged online, even though, you know, our attention might need to be somewhere else. And I I really like that you've, uh, especially with the breadth of work that you've done, you've realized and you can, uh, you know, look inside yourself and say, you know, I need to take a break from this and this isn't good for me. And it is leading towards that toxicity. So um, I guess my next question is, um, you've interviewed, you know, hundreds, maybe even over a thousand educators. I'm not really sure at this point. Uh, I'm sure you might know the number, but um, in those talks with educators, uh, what commonalities have you found kind of in the classroom teacher experience, or at least uh, common topics that teachers need the most help with? And then also kind of throughout time, and have you seen a change in the needs of teachers um, over the time that you've been doing your work? Well, uh, right, man, that's a fantastic question. So I actually had a podcast before the 10 minute teacher, 10 minute teacher, we're entering season six, so that's three years of 580 something, we'll hit 600 before this episode gets done. Uh, and then I had another podcast with 300. Um, and then I had a women of web two podcast, we had like 100. So maybe it's get close to 1000 or something like that. <laughs> um, I think that teaching has always been difficult. Uh, that's a truth. I think that um, I hate to say so, sometimes nowadays it's it's just easier to get that. I'm not going to say whiny because I don't think the people I interview are ever that. Um, it, it's easy to let it take you down if you let it, right? Because um, it's so easy to find the negative anywhere you look, you know, because you, you look up a couple articles on how hard it is to be a teacher and what does Google start doing, sending you more articles on how hard it is to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. And then Facebook is following you too. So you've got this filter bubble. And I think that the people that um, I think tend to be the happiest are those who either know how to go in and delete all those search results in Google so they can bust the fil- filter bubble um, or they learn to unplug they have a healthy perspective. They understand, they can see long-term. They don't get caught up in the, in the short term. Um, I do think that there is a challenging trend these days, particularly on Instagram. You know, I read somewhere the other day that 80% of photos posted on Instagram are actually, they, they use the word Photoshopped like a verb, but it's really these, um, you know, photo enhancing pictures. And certainly there are a lot of teachers who do that, but you know, this room reveal thing that happens, um, I, you know, at the beginning of the school year, I kind of have to get off Instagram because all these people are revealing these perfect classrooms that, and see, I don't, I, I go in with bare walls and my students put stuff on the walls because I don't want to, it's just not me. That's not who I am. So, um, you know, there's this huge pressure to be Pinteresting or to share your story. And, you know, I think the greatest stories are sometimes in the mundane days, progress report day. And I, some kids need to make up some work and I wanted to get it in before progress reports were generated at two. You know, that's not the kind of stuff I'm going to share. That's the everyday stuff. So I think the teachers I found that are the most successful are the ones who are grounded and they know who they are and they're not stressed. Like you said, Raymond, about, you know, who's going to be the next whatever. Um, it is 
so, you know, when people start throwing out around flattery or, oh, you're a rock star or this or that, or the echo chamber, I don't think those are helpful, but, you know, things are changing somewhat. Um, I was at a conference with um, a person you would know if, and I'm not going to mention her name because the com- conversation was kind of private, but, uh, and I'm not a millennial. I'm, a, I'm 50 and I'm happy with that. I'm okay with it. And I have lots of friends who are millennials, but we were at this conference targeted to millennials and is my friend was speaking, who's an amazing keynoter. She was keynoting. I look over and she's getting eye contact from like three people and the rest of them are just like taking photos and sharing and almost, you know, she's almost following over them because they're getting out of their chair so they can get close and get the right angle with them, you know, a selfie of them with her in the background, giving her keynote. And I was just like, you know, can you be so busy sharing that you forget what you're doing? You know, there's being a human doing and being a human being and we need to be sometimes and we need to know that not everything is worth sharing And, you know, just having that balance. And um, I think that the day I realized that social media doesn't change you, it's not really about who follows you, but about who you follow. Because I remember when I got on Twitter and I had like, you know, seven followers for like first couple of weeks. And I thought that was so awesome. Like Steve Dembo told me about Twitter and I got on it. And then I had like, you know, a hundred people and oh, wow, I'm important. Ha ha. Right. And then I got a thousand. It was like, oh, this is cool. And then 10,000. And I didn't feel different at a thousand or 10,000. I didn't feel different at 50,000. I didn't feel different at a hundred thousand. I didn't feel different at 150,000. I think it's like 162,000. I don't feel any different that you have to look for your, your validation in, in, am I doing what I need to be doing? Um, do I love these kids? Am I making a difference in their lives? Um, and just staying grounded. And it is so hard. You both, Dennis, you and Raymond both know this. It is so, so hard to stay grounded in a society that has ADHD. I mean, our society is ADD and our society is a little bit bipolar too. Um, so as a society, if you get pulled these million directions, um, you know, I have, I have family that have been ruined by certain news channels. They're unhappy people now, and they were never unhappy people before. So you just have to be careful what you pour into your mind and what you take into your heart and what you, what you listen to. You are influenced by the people you hang around and the books you read and the things you listen to. So be intentional and choose wisely um, because you become like those you hang around. So, um, you know, I guess I kind of rambled a little bit, but you know, when I sit back and think about the people I interview, sometimes I'll think to myself when I'm done, you know, that's a happy person. They're at peace with what they're doing. And then other people I'll, I'll, I'll listen to them and I'll think, you know what, they're looking, they're looking and they hadn't found it yet. And, um, and I hope they do so they can be happy. Um, there's just so much more to life than, be in the next viral video. I mean, so you, you make a viral video and everybody talks about you for a day, but what happens to you tomorrow when everybody forgets you and you become the Harlem shake or you become the fidget spinner and, or the woman in the Chewbacca mask, you know, what happens the day after the viral video? And I think just this journey that the Lord has blessed me with, um, has given me perspective that, you know, watching that cat video with that boy 
And when I took him in VR last spring and he got to climb Mount Everest and go swimming with sharks, I would say that was the greatest day of my year last year was taking him into VR and letting him go the places he would never get to go on this earth. Um, that, that I live for that. The follow it's awesome to have people following on social media and I hope I'm worth following. And if I'm not, I hope they unfollow me, but it's that moment when he said, look, there's a shark, you know, it's coming at me. Oh, cool. Hey, what's Everest? What's Mount Everest? I'm climbing it. You know, that's what I live for those moments. It's you watching the kids film with a full Turkey suit Friday and laughing my head off and having the kid come up to me Sunday and say, Hey, I edited it all weekend. Let me, let me show you the video. That's, that's what the adrenaline rush I live for. It's my kids. And then it's the, the reviews, you know, the, the guy, the Spanish teacher who said, you've changed my classroom. It's about real people relating to real people. And when you do that, then you're doing something um, worth doing. Well, Vicki, I don't think there's any better way <clears throat> for us to, to, to say what you just said. So thank you for reminding us, for reminding our listeners, and for focusing on that message every day, uh, what's truly important and what is truly valuable in our time with kids and in their time, uh, however hopefully long it is, but sometimes not. So uh, thank you for sharing your, your ideas and your perspectives with us tonight and some of your stories too. So I'm sure some of our listeners who don't know how to find you already would love to know how. Mm -hmm. So where can they find you on the social media that you still use and yeah. on your, your, oh. the, the content that you share? Well, I'm still sharing. Don't, don't, I schedule it all. I <laughs> co-schedule. So I'm still scheduling and I still get on once a week or twice a week to communicate with people. I just don't live on it like I used to, but you can go to coolcatteacher.com and I have all my social there. I'm at coolcatteacher everywhere. And yes, I'm still on Twitter and I'm still on Facebook. I just don't have it on my phone and my nose isn't buried in it uh, all day. Like I think I have to admit I've had struggles with addiction to social media at some points in my life. Uh, it's happened, uh, but uh, not now. <laughs> so thank you. And then the 10 Minute Teacher Podcast, you can just go to coolcatteacher.com forward slash podcast, or you can search for 10 Minute Teacher Podcast anywhere and follow. And it's pretty much every weekday. I'm taking a little break this week, but uh, it'll be back up here soon. All right, Vicki, thank you so much for taking your time. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.